It's time to dig in and discuss the questions on the minds of today's leaders. You are listening to The Kathleen Reeson Show, pushing the boundaries of leadership. This is where we get vulnerable, raw, and authentic about the stuff that really matters. Now, here is your host, Kathleen Reeson. Welcome to The Kathleen Reeson Show, pushing the boundaries of leadership. And today, you guys, we are talking all about the three shocking reasons why joy is critical to life. The three shocking reasons why joy is critical to life. And the reason that I picked this topic is because we're studying joy. So for the last week and for the next four weeks, it's a series of six, we're looking into different aspects of joy. And I believe that joy is critical to life. It's critical to work. It's critical to our businesses that we're creating. It's critical to the environments that we're creating. And today I'm going to share with you why that is. And so here's the deal. I've had a lot of conversations, I mean, forever, but especially over the last few weeks with employees and employers and looking at both sides of that. And here's what I know to be true from employees. This is what employees are saying, okay? I mean, people, this is what people are saying, but especially people that you're paying to be in your business. So here's what they're saying. They're saying, I want to be in an environment in my life and in my work. So just, this is what they want. They want safety, not just physical safety, not just the space of, I want to go to work and not have a limb cut off, or I don't want to be harmed in some way. They want both physical safety and the emotional safety. They want physical safety and emotional safety. And what I know to be true is creating an emotionally safe workplace is actually a very challenging thing. And so they want safety. They're craving it. They're craving it at home and at work. What else do people want? What as a human being, what do I want? I want meaning and purpose. Okay, I want meaning and purpose. And so that's really important. And you, you've seen the rise of this really like Simon Sinek, look at that in his books uh, and his TEDx, his TED Talks and all of his presentations, he's talking about really your why and it drills down into the meaning and purpose. And then what, what do we want as human beings? We want choice. We want control over our day. We do not want to be micromanaged. So we might think, well, some people want to be micromanaged. No, like, Overall, a highly functioning adult, and, and hear those words, highly functioning. So, so I, I get that there are situations where we're not working with highly functioning people, and that's okay. And know that, that what we're talking about today is highly functioning adults. What do they want? So they want choice and control over their day. And then they want camaraderie. And they want, they want to be in relationship with other people. They want, we really do crave that as humans. And then we want fair and equitable. We want, to be, we want to be treated fairly. We want to be in an equitable situation. So when those things occur, those are our, our really our basic needs. And I know we, we looked at Maslow's hierarchy needs. If we dig back in there, we say, well, we really just need water and we need uh, shelter and food. And so, so basic needs. But then when you go into the next level, it goes into more of those emotional needs. And that's what we're digging into. So when somebody thrives, when they are at their highest level, they're, we're meeting these needs as well, which means safety, both physically and emotionally, having meaning and purpose, having choice and control over their day, having camaraderie, and then a fair and equitable environment. And so let's just look at that. When we're in that space, then we experience joy. Okay, that's when we can really say, wow, we, our needs are met. So let's just examine this past year. All right, so COVID happened. That's our first one. So physically, people are concerned about their physical health being around other people. So we, we changed the entire work environment, changed the entire home environment. We've got kids home now. And so that's all been totally shifted around. 
And then meaning and purpose. Well, a lot of people are confronted with death. I mean, all of us have been confronted with death in some way, whether that means someone near to us has died or we have heard the statistics, death and and our our ultimate demise, (laughs) our ultimate ending is in the forefront of our, our face. And that's something that as a population, as a whole, we've never experienced this collectively. And now we have because of the pandemic. And so we have this question of, why are we really here? Why did we make it through? Why did our neighbor not? Why did our coworker die, but we didn't? Or why, why did other people in our community die, but not us? And when we have the rates like in India right now, the rates of death are just alarming. And when you say, well, why did six of my family members die, but not me? It really gets into why am I here? What is my meaning and my purpose? And am I living it? So we've got a lot of people asking that question right now. And then you look at choice and control. Well, a lot of people, we, we gave that up. We gave up what we thought was choice because people were saying, okay, now you're going to be home. Everything's going to change. You don't have a choice in this. This is just how it's going to be. And so over the last year, the pandemic has impacted us in every one of these areas. Camaraderie, now you can't hug people. Now you can't actually be in connection with people. And so we don't have the camaraderie. We have to reinvent camaraderie. And then is it fair and equitable? where some people can go into the office, but some can't, and some can get the vaccination, but some can't. And so based on whatever somebody else sets as these rules, we now follow. So the pandemic has hit on every one of our needs. So, so needs, we're not talking about wants, we're talking about needs here. It shifted it. Now apply social unrest or the Black Lives Movement. Every other uh, piece that's really rocked our lives hits on every one of those as well. So fair and equitable with Black Lives Movement, you've got a lot of people saying that, but wait, how do we actually support different cultures and and different people so that everybody has a fair stance? And when you've got a bunch of different opinions on that, it creates a space of unrest, creates a space of unrest. And so I'm not just making this stuff up, guys. Here's the thing. When you hear all of these, these basic needs and how we meet them, the reality is that we aren't doing a great job of that. Like here in the United States, so the CDC, and I know I know the CDC's come out, they've had a big job over the last year, like the biggest job ever. And I know some of us have different opinions on the CDC, but let's just look at this, these facts that they came out with. They did a study, they, did a, they do it a lot, but the last one was last fall, and they did one last fall, and then they did one again in February. And it said, how many people are affected by uh, anxiety or depression. So the feelings of anxiety or depression. And you guys, the statistic was that greater than 40% of adults are affected by anxiety or depression. And here's the scarier part, 25%. So, so greater than 40%. So they said, we have, I've had this issue in the last seven days. Okay. And so then 25% Total, so not of those that answered, it's like 25% of adults said, and I'm not doing anything about it. And I'm not doing anything about it. And so these statistics are real. Like this is really a thing where we've got human beings who are saying this is in October, last October, that was about 20% of adults were reporting anxiety or depression, but now it's at greater than 40% and 25% are saying, and I'm not doing anything about it. Like, here's a big deal. People, when we look at the, the people that are walking into our workplaces, this is a big challenge. And here's one, the American Psychological Association, they did this statistic here not that long ago. And it said that 84%, 84% of adults in their study reported 
feeling at least one sign, of, one emotion associated with extreme prolonged stress, 84%. Now, it's not necessarily surprising because look at the world that we've been in and the, the environments that we've been in. Of course, we would relate prolonged stress, but 84%. And those, those emotions are anxiety, depression, uh, some kind of significant a significant challenge that we're facing. And so then we're wondering, how do we bring people back and create an emotionally safe environment in our workplace? How do we create joy when all of this stuff is going on? And so that's the question we have on our mind. That is why it is so important to have this conversation that we're having today, because the reality is we need it. So let's, let's talk about why joy is so important. Okay, joy is important because it directly links to your physical health, it directly, re, re, directly links to your resilience, and it directly links to your success. So physical health, resilience, and success. Now, it relates to a lot of other things too, but these are the three biggest ones, your physical health, your resilience, and your success. And so how do we create an environment in our workplaces or, you know, in our homes too, like, especially I think about this for my children all the time, but how do we create these environments where we want, we want positive physical health, we want resilience, we want success. When on the flip side, we're seeing that people don't feel safe, that they don't know their meaning and purpose. They don't feel like they have choice or control, that they're not having this camaraderie and they're not creating fair and equitable spaces. They don't believe that we are being fair and equitable. Okay. So we start here. The, the first space is just understanding the game that we're playing. The game is that the stakes are those safety, the meaning and purpose, the choice, the camaraderie, the fair and equitable. Those are the stakes. And the game that we're playing is understanding like, where do we fall on that? So one of the things in one of our companies, it's, it's core built leadership. We actually go through and we understand where do we fall on that? It's an audit essentially, because before we even get into how do we create joy in this environment, we've got to understand where we're at. So we know where the statistics are. We know, it's like, you know, I can paint a picture of gloom and doom, but what I can also tell you is there's a lot of companies that are doing this well. There's a lot of humans that are doing this well, and they're meeting their employees where they're at. They're meeting their employees where they're at. They're saying, hey, I get that there's been a lot of stuff that's gone on, but let's, let's own that. Let's, let's bring that out. So I, I shared this a few weeks ago. I was in a conversation and uh, one of my friends was telling me, he was in a boardroom, so with his team, and one of the, the people on the team just started crying. And there wasn't anything really like wrong in the boardroom necessarily, but the, the stress and the pressure of it all just it was like a letdown. And he didn't know how to handle it. Like, why are you crying? Like, what, what did I do? And thinking it was something in the moment. But what was really happening was he had actually created a space of safety. And so for the first time, this person actually felt safe. And then this letdown happened and he wasn't prepared for the letdown. And so that's a, that's a piece of this. When we create these environments, how do we, how do we hold our employees to a place where they can let this stuff out? Because guys, this is happening. And, and a year ago or two years ago, pre-pandemic, this wasn't happening. It was still happening, but it was at a much lower rate. And so we didn't have to address it, but now it's in our face. It's in our face. And I've seen companies that just are ignoring it. And, and what's happening is they're burning through their employees, totally burning through it. I created this burnout pyramid uh, and it's, it's just a definition of why burnout happens. And 
this was, I created this four years ago. So it was pre-pandemic, all that. But the idea is that you really have different facets to your, to your life and work as being one of them, community, self, uh, all those are a piece of it. And at any given time, you're going to be on one side of that pyramid. Now, when you're playing all those games, like all of us are, we're constantly moving around this pyramid. Well, when you fall down on one side, like, like your, your health, a health crisis. So somebody gets COVID, for example, or any other number of diseases, cancer. My mom had cancer last year. You know, so anything happens, you fall down one side of that pyramid. Well, while you're working to climb up, if you're constantly moving to the other side of the pyramid, like to the work pyramid or to the self pyramid, you're going to drop one of those areas. You, you just, you're not going to be able to climb up all of them at the same time because it's exhausting. And that's when burnout sets in. And then you just don't want to climb anywhere. You don't want to climb anywhere. And so, so you just, you hang out at the bottom and, and that is the classic signs of burnout. And so burnout is, right now, we, we've got the COVID as a pandemic, but what I believe is that burnout overall, we'll start to see that as a pandemic here coming in because people are tired. That prolonged stress that we talked about, 84%. Are reporting some kind of emotion of prolonged stress. It's a big deal. Okay, so joy is one of the solutions. So yay, let's talk about the solutions. So joy as as a, a physical health. Why does it relate to physical health? So there, we actually when we experience joy, when we put joy into our lives, when we understand what joy means for us. Like for example, uh, it could just be it could be going for a walk. I, I got a new patio swing for Mother's Day. I'm super excited about it. Just such an easy thing. Yet it's relaxing for me. It's relaxing. And so when I experience joy for me, which may be different for you, when I experience it, and when you experience it, when the human being experiences it, we actually, our brain releases dopamine and serotonin. Now, I'm not a neuroscientist, but guess what? My dad is. (laughs) And uh, on June 7th, the show that we're going to have is Joy and the Brain. So I'm just covering the really high level today. And when comes on, we're actually going to dig in a lot deeper into the actual effects on your body and from the brain when you experience joy. So if you want to know the science stuff, definitely listen to that episode. But what I know to be true is that when you experience joy, your brain releases dopamine and serotonin and serotonin is that feeling of ease and relaxing. And when you, if you look at the people that have clinical depression, their serotonin levels are actually lower. Okay. So, so in clinical depression, you're actually lowering your joy levels. So you see people like depression, the, the lack of joy, that's, there's actually a scientific reason beyond that your serotonin levels are lower, but what we want to do is increase our serotonin levels. So when we increase it, we actually feel joy. Okay. We feel joy and our body reacts in that way. Our body calms down our muscles. So when we, when we're tight, when our serotonin levels are up, we actually have a body clenching. Well, when our serotonin releases, our body unclenches, our blood pressure goes down. So there's lots of physical health benefits to experiencing joy. And the question that I have for you is, can you trick your body into joy? Like if you're not experiencing joy, I don't want to be joyful. Can you trick your body? And my answer to that is yes. And I'm going to teach you how a few quick ways right after we get back from this break. And these are ways I'll teach it to you because everything that I'm sharing with you, everything that I'm teaching you know that you can turn around and teach it too. My job is to coach you on how to coach others. Okay. So everything that I teach to you, you get to go spread it out because that is actually deep down something that's rooted in how we, meaning and purpose is sharing those goals. So know that what you learn, you get to give it away. There's a reason that you're learning it. So we're going to go on this quick break. And when we get back, I'm going to teach you how you can actually trick your body into joy. 
All right, guys, you're listening to the Kathleen Reeson show, pushing the boundaries of leadership here on Inspired Choices Network. Enjoy this quick break. Are you enjoying the conversations on the Kathleen Reeson show? Kathleen speaks both in person and virtually at companies, conferences, and retreats all over the world. Learn about booking Kathleen Reeson for your next event at KathleenReeson.com. That's KathleenReeson.com. Are you a subject matter expert? Are you here to share your expertise with an audience waiting to hear from you in only the way you can deliver? Are you ready to have your voice amplified across the airwaves? Inspired Choices Network has a global radio platform streaming to millions of people across the world. Professionally produced and supported by an accomplished team every step of the way, you can broadcast from anywhere in the world knowing your voice matters and we ensure it is delivered with ease and efficiency. Eager to hear your message, the world awaits. Contact us today to become an Inspired Choices Network radio host. Email become a host at inspiredchoicesnetwork.com. Welcome back to the Kathleen Reeson Show, pushing the boundaries of leadership. To participate in the program, join our live studio audience in our chat room at inspiredchoicesnetwork.com. Now, back to the program. Welcome back to the Kathleen Reeson Show, pushing the boundaries of leadership. I'm your host, Kathleen Reeson, and we're here on Inspired Choices Network. And today we've been talking about the three critical reasons for joy in your life and in your work. And so we've talked about the importance of joy on your physical health, on your, on your health. And one of the things that we talked about right before break was, can you trick your body into joy? Because we know that when you're in joy, your body releases that serotonin. And so how do we actually trick our body? Well, one of the, one of the ways is smiling. So sometimes you may not feel like smiling, but when you actually, the art of, of taking your mouth and bringing it up. So just pretending to smile, like, even though I'm not actually wanting to smile, actually moving my mouth into a smiling form that can trick your brain. Okay. you it can trick your brain into saying, Oh, like we're going to release the serotonin. And so over time, when you practice this, your body will just naturally reflect that. So if you just smile, even when you feel like crap and you don't want to, that can, can support you. The other thing, like exercise is a big one. So a lot of us are like, I don't want to exercise. It's not going to be fun. I'm not into it. But just simply the art of moving your muscles. Remember, we're going to release. We want our muscles to release instead of contract. So that is, is a way where we can actually signal to our brain, okay, serotonin release. There's even a song, serotonin, if you guys have heard it. <laughs> when I hear that song, I hear joy, joy, even though it's the word serotonin. And so that's another one, listening to music. Okay, so now, now pick your music, whatever represents joy to you. So whatever music you like, pick that music. Don't pick the opposite of it or else your body will have a different reaction. But if it's music that you listen to, like calm and soothing music or R&B, whatever that is for you, if you listen to that when you are in a state of joy, when you're not in a state of joy, your, your body can't identify the difference. It just hears that music and it can signal a release. Okay, dance parties. So think about the things that you enjoy doing normally. And so when you're not in a space where you you're, you want to be in that, that joyful space, but you're not there, you can signal and trick your body by putting yourself in that situation. So the art of movement is a big one for a lot of people where we can actually signal that release. Okay. So, so like hugging, for example, I, I 
really enjoy hugs. I, I enjoy the art of hugging people, but I know some people don't. My husband uh, is fine. He hugs me, but he's not, he wouldn't necessarily walk up to a stranger and hug them. Now I would have no problem with that, but that would be a challenge for him. And yet he knows around me, he's, he's got that comfort level. So even if he doesn't want to necessarily hug, that it does give him some kind of benefit. So the serotonin can still release because he knows that the feeling at the end of the hug is worth it. So that's the piece we want to get to is knowing that even though I don't like this, I like the way it feels in the end. So exercise. I like the way it feels when I'm complete, not the way it feels when I start, (coughs) excuse me, not the way in the middle. And so that's what we're getting to. We're going to trick our brains into experiencing joy. So that's, think about this in the work environment. If you're going to coach other people on this, it's really getting them to identify those moments that they do experience joy because we want to trick our brains to experiencing that. Right? That's a big one. I use that with my kids a lot too, especially if there's something that they don't want to do like math. Oh my gosh. They used to think they were horrible at math, but they really enjoyed being complete with their assignment and the gratification when they were complete. And so we'd say, what's it going to be like when you're complete with this assignment? And if they could describe that feeling, then we can get them to complete the math assignment. So they're like, oh, I know this sucks, but gosh, I'm just going to, I'm going to battle through it. And maybe if they have a fake smile on their face, you've, you've heard the fake it till you make it. I really hate those words, fake it till you make it. Uh, and the reality is that sometimes our brain doesn't understand the difference between it. You and I know it. We've got associations with that word, with those words, fake it till you make it, but our brain doesn't understand the difference. So simply the act of smiling or forcing, again, that forcing word, I really prefer uh, the the power and the creation. And there are moments where those are still powerful, where moving your body into a smile or getting your body moving, it releases serotonin in your brain. So when we dig in more in a few weeks, June 7th, on the episode on the brain, we're going to dig in more to this, but just know that even when you're not in a state of uh, experiencing joy, you can trick your body into it. So that's kind of cool. All right, guys. So the second benefit of joy is resiliency, resiliency and resiliency is described as your ability to bounce back. So when something happens that, that is considered horrible, right? How you bounce back from that and so there's this theory, this, this psychologist in the, the 90s, Barbara Fredrickson, she created this theory and it's called uh, the broaden and build theory. Okay, the broaden and build theory. And what this means is that when you experience these emotions that you really appreciate or enjoy, it expands your awareness. So you experience, it's like a muscle, right? So if I go to the gym and I work out my biceps, the more I work out my biceps, the stronger they're going to be. And so now when I meet a resistance, like my arm is straight out because my biceps are strong, I can hold my arm straight out longer. I could, I could put six different shopping bags, like grocery bags full of groceries on my arm and I could hold them up because I've strengthened that muscle where if I hadn't strengthened that muscle, either I couldn't hold them up, my arm would fall or my arm would shake, but I wouldn't be able to hold it up. It wouldn't be able to, 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 be in a, in one place, I would, I would, we create movement. Okay. Probably a downward movement. So think of this broaden, the broaden and build theory as that way. So the more that you work the muscle of resilience of the, of the positive emotions of the joy, when something that's the opposite occurs, something horrible, like your parent dies or uh, your child's sick or 
somebody yells at you at work. I mean, you, we all know those people. <laughs> Think about that person that reacts. Maybe it's you, maybe it's your coworker, maybe it's your, uh, maybe it's somebody around you who fires back, who's always in that state of anything, like attack. Anytime somebody says something to them, they are responding on the defensive. Okay, so they've got a lot built up in that, what we would perceive as negative emotions. Okay, so the people that have that joy, that really see life as a gift, that understand that they have the choice in their days, that have camaraderie and connection with their friends, the people that have built that muscle of joy, of gratitude, they're the ones that when, a, when something happens around them, so the, somebody comes to them and says, your project stinks. Or uh, the kid gets in the fight in the morning and yelling and breathing. Supportive. Okay. So that's called this broaden and build theory. The broaden and build theory. So when we react, in a positive, in the way that we want to react when we work that muscle, the broad and build theory says that we're going to come back in a strong place. Okay. We're not going to sit in that emotion, that negative emotion state, because we are going to counteract that. Do you hear what I'm saying here? So the broad and build theory says that the more the joy that we use, the joy muscle that we use, the stronger we will be the stronger we will be. So that's a really important distinction to understand. And so when we practice joy, meaning when we look at the world and we say, what is it that's bringing us joy? We answer that question. We figure out our meaning and our purpose that when we really work that space, like self, the gratitude, the self-care, we'll go into whole, whole lists of how we can actually incorporate joy in our life. But the easiest way is just to say, what brings me joy? What actually brings me joy? And so when we understand that, that's when we apply resilience because we see the outlook as joy in our life, not this space of the world is crappy. The world is out to get me. That's a victim mentality. And so the resilience is really important in that joy space. So one of the critical benefits of joy is resiliency. And then the third one, and the third one, this is my favorites, it's about success. So joy is directly linked to success. And this seems like an easy one to, 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 to think about. Of course, joy is linked to success. People that are joyful, that, that practice joy, that experience joy, are actually 40% more likely to get a job promotion. 40%, like that's huge, you guys, 40%. But yet, here's the thing with success. A lot of times, well, actually, let's just back up. When I was in my very first interview for my, for my very first professional job, I was in college. It was the first time I had interviewed and I was interviewing for a job at Ernst & Young. Now, I did not get this job. I'll give you the heads up. I actually started my career as a CPA working for KPMG. And, and it was wonderful. I'm so thankful for the experience that I had. And my first interview was with Ernst & Young. And Ernst & Young, I'm sitting with the interviewer and he says to me, what is your definition of success? And here I am, 22 years old. At the time, I was even 21. And I didn't, I didn't know what success meant. I knew that I wanted to get a job and I wanted to 
go live in a house and I wanted to get married and eventually I wanted to have kids. And it was all these like things or uh, connection points. So I said, well, I, uh, success in to me in five years would mean uh, growing in my job and having kids and getting married and a house. And, and I said all these things and I didn't know, like, I really didn't know. I knew I totally screwed up the, like, whatever the answer he was looking for was not the answer that I said, but it was the first time I'd been asked that. And that has perplexed me for years of, okay, well, how, how would I answer that? And I've asked myself this many times. And so right now, ask yourself, how do you define success? What does success look like in five years? How do you define success? And now how I answer that question is based on a ways of being. So am I living joyfully? Am I living with abundance? Am I living as a loving person? So when that's success to me, it's based on my ways of being. But at the time I didn't know that. I thought it was like things. And so here is an interesting statistic that I found. Harvard actually did this study and it was just Mother's Day. So this is beautiful timing. And as a mom of three boys, which I love dearly, I know that children can bring a lot of joy into your life. But in this study from Harvard, it actually said that the, the other side of, of raising children and that is, it's very stressful, right? You're talking about three other human beings or one other human being or however many children you have. My, my cousin has, uh, has nine children. So you think about, we've got a lot of different people that we're interacting with because they're human beings. They have their own, but they want to be safe physically, emotionally. They want to have meaning and purpose. They want to have choice and control. They want camaraderie. They want fair and equitable. They're human beings. And so we are dealing with that. We are responsible for these other human beings. And this statistic that this survey that Harvard did, it asked a bunch of moms, they said, on a level of of joy, what gives you joy? I'm laughing because when I read this, it just, it's made me smile ever since I read it. But uh, the, the average mom linked eating, sleeping, watching TV, spending time with friends and exercising all above the joy that they receive from parenting. So it's not that we don't receive love from our children. We don't receive joy from our children. But when we actually ranked these, the what brings us joy, those things actually rank higher. And here's what's underneath that is that raising children is, can be challenging. And so we link, we looked at joy in marriages. So, so uh, two parent households, joy in marriages, the joy level actually decreased when the first child was born and it didn't actually see a level of increase. This is on average, didn't see a level of increase until after the first child left the house and then it started to tick up again. So if you looked at that statistic in one way, you'd say, my gosh, why would you ever have kids? It seems like, that would, wow, there's lots of other things I could think about. And the reality is there's lots of benefits to having children. There are lots of, of uh, those serotonin releases. Like your, your child uh, says their first word or takes their first step, lots of joys in those moments. And there's lots of things in between that that can really draw back from that joy. So it's a give and a take. And that's exactly what we see in the workplace too. There's things that can bring immense joy and things that can bring, bring not so much joy. And so the, the trick is how do we manage those periods of time when things aren't bringing us joy? And that goes back to our, our physical health. Can we trick our minds? Absolutely. 
Absolutely. So we're going to dig in more to this. I've got Scott Moore on this last piece of success when we get back from this break. You are listening to The Kathleen Reeson Show, Pushing the Boundaries of Leadership here on Inspired Choices Network. And we will carry forward in this conversation right after this break. Enjoy. Are you enjoying the conversations on The Kathleen Reeson Show? Kathleen speaks both in person and virtually at companies, conferences, and retreats all over the world. Learn about booking Kathleen Reeson for your next event at KathleenReeson.com. That's KathleenReeson.com. How wonderful would it be to carry your favorite Inspired Choices Network host with you throughout your day? Well, now you can. Inspired Choices Network now has its very own mobile app. Our free app offers live streaming shows, along with thousands of podcasts and TV episodes. Our shows cover a wide variety of topics. Whether you're waking up with us, carrying us through the day, and taking us to bed with you, we're always here for you to enjoy. We're easy to find. Just search for Inspired Choices Network in the Apple App Store or Google Play Store. Welcome back to the Kathleen Reeson Show, pushing the boundaries of leadership. To participate in the program, join our live studio audience in our chat room at inspiredchoicesnetwork.com. Now, back to the program. Welcome back to the Kathleen Reeson Show, pushing the boundaries of leadership. So we have been talking all about the three critical reasons why joy is so important to your life and to your work. And we've been talking about the third reason, which is success. So we covered physical health, we covered resilience, and we've been talking about success. And one of the things I want to dig into with success is that oftentimes we think success is something that it isn't, okay? Success and accomplishment are very different things. And oftentimes we think that success is accomplishment. Accomplishment is I set a goal and I met it set a goal and I met it. So I want to graduate with my master's degree and I graduate with my master's degree. That is accomplishment. It's it's not actually success. And so success is that emotion that we define because of our accomplishments. So I could have pride in my accomplishment. I could have pride in my accomplishment. And so so the success would be pride. So success is linked to the pride. Success is linked to the emotion, not to the actual goal. The challenge is that oftentimes we set, especially the, the, the more six, the, the uh, I want to use that word in the definition, but the higher the, uh, when we, be, we rise up in executive ranks or uh, the bigger goals that we set, we, we, we put these really long goals in place. Like, for example, I'm going to create a million dollar company or I'm going to launch this multi-million dollar product or I'm going to enter into this marketing campaign and get these results, whatever it is, our goals get a lot bigger. And, and longer term. So they're not things that can be accomplished in a, a quick fashion. And so our success, if we relate it to an accomplishment, our success is defined by a really long time period, which means that we're not actually going to experience success for a year, two years, five years, 10 years down the road. And so we're, one way that we can really create joy around success is that we create a lot of smaller goals. So Gino Wickman came out with Traction, and this has been a few years, and he talks about this traction model and how we create these rocks, these, these like mini goals. 
So we have our, our big hairy goals, we've got our quarterly goals, and we've got our rocks. And, and that's how one way that we can actually break these, these big goals into little accomplishments, because we know that we can relate success to accomplishments. And so one of the things that, that really this has gotten into a challenge is you look at the people who we think have, have it all. I, like Marilyn Monroe, for example. Okay. So Marilyn Monroe, she had tons of money. She was beautiful by all accounts. She was loved by the media and her fans. And yet she was miserable. She'd had multiple miscarriages. She'd had multiple marriages. She just really uh, wasn't happy. She wasn't in joy. And really, uh, so, so you think about somebody that has it all they have all the success as we used to define it. They have all these accomplishments as we know it now, but they don't have the joy around it. And so why is that? So a lot of times it's, we set goals that are so big or like, let's look at it. Did she have the camaraderie? Okay. Cause we can go back to what we talked from the beginning about safety, meaning the purpose, choice and control, camaraderie, fair and equitable. So Marilyn and Roy, like, did she have the physical safety? And I don't actually think she did based on what I, what I've researched and what I've seen about her. I don't think she had that physical safety. I know she didn't have the emotional safety because from what I can understand, her anxiety levels and depression were off the charts and weren't that well regulated, which means she didn't have that feeling of safety. Did she have meaning and purpose? Maybe, may, I don't know, maybe. Did she have choice over her day? Uh, you know, I don't, I don't know, but from what I can understand, probably not. She had a lot of people controlling what was going to happen in her day. She didn't have true connection. And was her life fair and equitable? I, maybe. I don't know on that one, but I know she didn't have the feelings of safety, the feelings of camaraderie and the feelings of choice and control. And so while somebody who by all outwards measures has everything that would be considered she's successful. She really didn't feel that success. And so in an emotional state like that, that was not successful for her. And it led to her untimely death, which some believe is suicide. So there's lots of different thoughts on how she died, but she wasn't very joyful during her life. Another person to look at is Frank Sinatra, who created this beautiful, soulful music. And, and he had the, the riches of the, of life. And yet and yet he attempted suicide twice. Uh, he had multiple marriages. And when you actually look at, was he joyful overall in his life in lots of accomplishments, but would he actually define it as successful? There's a difference between outward success and then the inward success. And so when we redefine that, we say lots of accomplishments, but was he actually joyful? Was he experiencing joy? And my experience of, of reading through his, uh, biographies is no, no, I don't, I don't know that he was. And so we can look at a lot of these celebrities, these people that, that we admire or that we think, gosh, they have a great lives and yet understand that there's probably something underneath that that says, are they really what, what it appears to be? So success and accomplishment, very different things. So you can have a lot of accomplishments but the success is that inner, that feeling that we attach to it. So is it, is it pride? Is it joy? Do I have that meaning and purpose? Do I have that choice and control? Do I have that camaraderie? And you know, those are some big examples. So Frank Sinatra, oh, a Princess Diana, like that's another one. So here's somebody who, she birthed the future king of England. And uh, let's just go into, does she have physical safety? Like, no, clearly, because she died because of the 
not having physical safety? And did she have emotional safety? One of the biggest things she complained about was invasion of privacy. Does she have meaning and purpose in her life? Like maybe, I think possibly for her, it sounds like she did, uh, but did she have choice or control over her day? That was one that did not sound like she did. Did she have connection? Uh, maybe, maybe. And was it fair and equitable? My understanding of that was she did not believe that she had a, she, what the experience that she was having with her world was that it was fair and equitable. So she didn't meet those needs. And, and so success couldn't be defined for her in that way. She, she couldn't truly experience joy because those weren't met. And so we, we start to see this, this parallel where we say, oh, like that's why they're not met. So if I'm looking at this, let's just bring us into big picture here. If I'm looking at this and I'm saying, okay, but I really want to create environments where people can really experience joy. And I want to meet these, these kind of five things. Like I want people in my environment. So when I look at my employees, I want them to experience physical and emotional safety hundred percent. Okay. Physical safety. I, I can control that to some degree. I can, I can provide an environment that's going to do that to the best of my ability, but emotional safety, like how are we doing that? In a lot of companies, like we're just, we're not, we're not, we're focusing on physical safety, but not the emotional safety. And so we can dig in. I said, remember at the beginning where we talked about that we can do an audit to understand, like, let's actually ask our employees. Cause it's one thing for me to sit and answer this and say, well, I think that we're doing this well. And I think, and I think, and I think, but the reality is I'm only one person and I'm looking at it from one view and I get to get feedback from all the people around me. I get to get feedback and understand what they perceive because if you haven't, all of this that I've talked about and every time I pop onto a show every Monday, when I say any words that come out of my mouth, this is just my experience, my perception and, and my beliefs. And yet I know that your beliefs are very different than mine. Maybe we align in some or quite a few areas, but ultimately they're very different. And so if we put a hundred people in a room, we'll have a hundred different experiences to share, hundred different pieces of feedback. And so the reality is that I can tell you about the broaden and build theory. And I can tell you about how joy links to physical health. And I can tell you about how joy and resilience are, are linked and why it's so important. But what I encourage you to do is to say, okay, let me step back and get some feedback on how I'm applying these in my workplace. How am I doing? I go through a series of these questions with my kids. I'll tell you an experience that we had this weekend. So did Mother's Day yesterday and it was, it was a lot of fun. And the day before we had a, what would be considered a, a normal day. My husband and I have been talking about planting out front. We have a lot of flowers out front, but there's this one place in our house, uh, in the front of our house, where it's actually an association sign because we live the neighborhood that we live in. We're the ones on the corner. And so we have the association sign in our yard. Um, years ago, there were bushes put in and we don't like these bushes. They look kind of ugly. And we decided that we could shift these bushes. We got permission from the association. We were going to rip them out and put something else in. Well, we talked about this for a few years and we decided Saturday was the day. Of course, my husband starts ripping these bushes out and I go to the store to get the new flowers. And in the time where I'm driving home, it's like five minute drive, it starts pouring down rain, like pellets, rain pellets. It was crazy and cold. You know, it started out as sixties like and all of a sudden it's forties, it's really cold. And I have all these flowers. And so I pull into the driveway. My husband and I are sitting in the garage saying, 
okay, well, what do we do? And we decide to wait about 10 minutes later, the rain lessened. So it still hadn't stopped, but it lessened. So we took the flowers out and we decided to plant in the rain. Long story short, we are soaked. Like even my underwear is wet. It was really uncomfortable. And we come inside and our house is a mess. Our kids have had not just breakfast, but snacks and there's food everywhere. The trash can is so full. You can't put anything else in it. And they just eliminate, they just didn't care about that because they were so focused on getting on their technology. They were like so focused on that that they forgot about the things that they got to do to be a supporting part of the family. And my husband and I were frustrated. We lost it. This is not an example of emotional intelligence right here. This is the flip side. And I'm sharing it with you. We lost it. We called our kids up. We uh, made them bring every technology screen into the, into the kitchen table. And we told them we were going to sell them. We were done. That's not what we ended up doing. But my purpose of sharing this with you is that we always get checkpoints. Like for me, I know that was not me acting in my highest and it, it definitely had a consequence for our family. And we got to have a reset moment after that. But th- that was an indicator to me in our reset moment where our kids just shared openly about the consequences of us losing our cool, how it created an environment where they didn't feel emotionally safe, they didn't feel physically safe. And I knew that I got to reset. I got to acknowledge my breakdown and I got to support them and what they could expect from me going forward. But you know, in the workplace, we don't often do that. We don't have those resets and collect those moments of saying, hey, where are we at with this? It's been a year of craziness. We all get that. Okay. And so I know that some people are doing surveys right now to understand where they're at. Great. And are we reporting those surveys back to our team? So these are really important pieces of how are we closing that loop? Because when the team feels involved, camaraderie, when they feel like have choice and control, that's where we can experience joy. So there's a lot of these practices that we can implement. Like, let's actually go in and see where they're at. Let's go actually go in and see what your employees really want. Let's actually go in and provide that to them because we want them to be in a place of joy because we know when they're in a place of joy, it leads to all these other benefits. But we get to close the loop. So we're going to go on one quick break here, our last break. When we come back, we're going to close the loop on this whole show. So guys, you are listening to the Kathleen Reeson show, Pushing the Boundaries of Leadership. And today we've been talking all about the three critical reasons why joy is so important to your life and to your work. All right, enjoy this quick break. I'll talk to you in just a second. Are you enjoying the conversations on the Kathleen Reeson show? Kathleen speaks both in person and virtually at companies, conferences, and retreats all over the world. Learn about booking Kathleen Reeson for your next event at KathleenReeson.com. That's KathleenReeson.com. Welcome back to The Kathleen Reeson Show, pushing the boundaries of leadership. To participate in the program, join our live studio audience in our chat room at InspiredChoicesNetwork.com. Now, back to the program. Welcome back to the Kathleen Reeson Show, Pushing the Boundaries of Leadership. I'm your host, Kathleen Reeson, and we've been here live on Inspired Choices Network for the past 45 minutes, talking all about the three reasons why joy is critical to your life. And you guys, I'm, I'm going to just lay this out here of, of my experience. I've lived my life in a space where I thought I was living really for somebody else. I had what would, what would be considered fame or, or fortune, not like millions of dollars. I've never been uh, had, had that kind of a fortune, but I've been fine. And uh, I've been the person where people think that she has it all. She's got the nice house and the kids and the husband and the cars and you know, all that stuff. 
And I've also been the person that had incredibly high blood pressure that was stressing myself out, living a life where it was about what somebody else wanted and not what I wanted. And it didn't work. It it just didn't work. And so for me, while we talked about in the beginning of the show, those five pieces that are really important, the safety, both physically and emotionally, the meaning and purpose, the choice and control, the camaraderie and the, the fair and equitable. So in my past life, was I physically safe and emotionally safe? Sure. Yeah, absolutely. I had choice and control over my day. I ran my businesses. I had the choice of control. I had connection and I had what I considered to be fair and equitable, but what I was missing was the meaning and purpose. I was totally missing that. I was really great at what I did, but I was missing the meaning and the purpose. And that was so important to me that I was willing to give up what I knew, what was comfortable for me to dig into this meaning and purpose. And so when I share with you that, I've talked about the statistic before, but uh, (laughs) there are, even even sharing the statistic is is like really hard for me. There are lots of people in this world that they don't want to, they wake up and I I hope I'm not describing you. We wake up and say, I'm going to go to work for the paycheck and I'm going to come home. And there are a lot of people in this world that think that's okay. Like that's fine. And that's, that's how you do it. And and so I'm not saying that that's wrong. I'm not going to make that wrong. But what I'm saying is that if you really want true joy in your life, if you really want your body to function at its highest, if you really want uh, to to be the example for your children and for the world, you, you get to dig into understanding what really brings you joy, what your meaning and purpose is in this world and, and start there. And it may mean that what you know to be true is totally not what you anticipated. Like for me, that meant I, I ran my marketing firm for 12, for, for 10 years. I had uh, five other businesses at the time and I gave it up to pursue something that I had no idea what it looked like three and a half years ago. And uh, there was nothing wrong with my marketing firm. There's nothing wrong with the gyms, the other businesses, but it wasn't my meaning and it wasn't my purpose. It wasn't how I was meant to lead in this world. And it wasn't the gift that I was meant to give. And when I realized what that was, when I, when I did that inner work, when I was still, when I, and I've talked all about this uh, before, but when I really dug in to understand what I meant, what my gift to the world is, if you guys have, are having questions on this, get, get the book Joy and Uncertainty, A Guide to Creating a Meaningful Life. It, I wrote about it in, on Amazon, uh, has the book, it's got an ebook and a paperback, get the book. It, it talks about how to actually walk through this process. But that was a key turning point for me. And one of the things as I've walked through the last few years, I have a lot of executives that say to me, their own questions, questions that they've got about finding their meaning and purpose, but also about employees. Like there is no bad employee. There's just employees that get to be successful somewhere else. And I say that I have seen time and time again, where an employee was just not working out in a situation, but then we put them in a different situation and they thrive. And so when we look at it that way, it's that people don't leave companies because of the the situations, they leave the other people around them and how they're being led and how they're managed. And so when we get that, when we understand how to meet people where they are, when we understand how to build these environments where people can really be in joy, that's when we're going to create the world that we want, like this joy and this ease in the world and create companies where our employees are not at 64% productive, which is the average right now, 64% 
of employees are, let me rephrase that, employees are working at 64% of their productivity. 64%, which is crazy. That means we're leaving 36% of what's possible just on the ground. What I also know to be true is that when we speak, only 75, 20, my gosh, you guys, only 25% of the words that we say actually land somewhere. So how much extra effort are we spending that just doesn't need to be spending on words? People don't hear what we're saying, and yet we just keep shouting. And so when we, when we really tie this together, we really understand why we're here, what our purpose is, what we're meant to create in this world, that's when the magic happens. That's when productivity increases. That's when engagement increases. That's when really, quite frankly, it gets fun. That's when it gets fun. And so we know what people want. We don't have to guess it. We know what they want. It's just the question now is, how am I doing? at it. Like checkpoint, where am I at? Because like feedback and our relationship to feedback is the only thing that's going to hold us back there. And our job is to support in understanding what it is that people, how we actually bridge that gap. You and I, we're the bridge. We are the bridge. We're the ones that say, okay, I get where we want to go and I get where we are. And we are the bridge in between because nobody else is going to stand as the bridge. You get to get the hammer and the wood out and be the bridge. And what that means is you get to be neutral. I get to be neutral. I get to say, this is the, what I've created up until now. And this is what I want to create. And what's going to be the link in between? How do I support my employees in understanding what their meaning and purpose is? How do I look at my employees structure? And how do I make sure that they are in, in an emotionally safe environment, a physically safe environment? How do I make sure that regardless of whether they're in person or not, that there's camaraderie, that there's connection? How do I make sure that there's fair and equitable? And remember, fair does not always equal equitable. That's always the same thing. Fair can look a lot of different ways. And so when we have all those pieces in place, that's when we can experience joy. That's when we can have our productivity at 100% because it's totally possible. But we get to look in here. and We get to create joy in our environments. Because guys, like we are human beings. We are not diamonds. Diamonds are created in this incredible environment where it's pressure, when pressure's applied. But that's not human beings. Human beings thrive in joy. Their physical health shifts, their resilience, their success, those are all so critical. And yet we, we as executives, we as CEOs, we as leaders, have the ability to create these environments for the world. We have the ability to shift what's happening in the world. And my invitation to you is to join me. My invitation to you is to think about this. My invitation to you is how do you actually add some joy back in your life? How do you look at this and say, I'm going to be the shift. I'm going to be the one that starts this because when I do, everyone else around me will. Guys, I thank you so much for being a part of this show. I'll show up next week. Please show up with me. All right, guys. Bye. Thank you for listening to The Kathleen Reeson Show, pushing the boundaries of leadership. Kathleen Reeson will return next Monday at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, 10 a.m. Central, 9 a.m. Mountain, and 8 a.m. Pacific on InspiredChoicesNetwork.com. Have a great week.